Well, apologies for taking a little while to get here, but it is time for a new episode of You'll Never Talk Alone. A few weeks off um, for various reasons, one of which being that I couldn't have recorded last week because I sounded like Satan himself had <laughs> taken out my vocal cords. I had completely lost my voice. It was so bad that my dogs were honestly scared of me and would leave the room if I started trying to talk to them. But we're back here tonight. I'm your friend Joseph Craven. This is Alex Lovell joining me as well. Um, and it kind of worked out that we weren't able to record until uh, just now because we <laughs> we didn't miss much. <laughs> yeah, only one game. <laughs> so the match that we were supposed to preview a couple of weeks ago is finally upon us. We'll talk about that in a little bit here. We'll talk about um, the ramifications of a season in which the title has been officially locked down already. That's the wrong choice of words, given the, the climate we've all yeah. been in for the past like 14 months or so. I apologize. It's Take all, it again. It, the, the title is locked up by now. Um, so we, uh, but we have a victory to talk about. We have um, the, the faintest of top four chances still out there somewhere. And we've got uh, just, a, a, I don't know, a myriad of things. What's really fascinating about all of this is that we took a couple of weeks off um, unintentionally. It wasn't like we planned on it. And then we come back a few weeks later and we're still sitting here like, well, what do we talk about? Yeah. Because most of the matches uh, have all been kind of the same anyway. <laughs> like we didn't really get a chance to, I think, you know, recap um, the... Well, no, I guess we did talk a little bit about the Newcastle match, but it's just, it, I don't know, it's just, it's just a difficult season to talk about. It just has been. And we're nearing the uh, the end of it, mercifully, um, and hopefully can put together a couple of uh, decent performances to round things out here. Um, in this highly forgettable <laughs> 2020 to 2021 season. So, Alex, first and foremost... A victory. Not just a victory, but actually scoring multiple goals. I, I don't know what you mean. I don't know what you're talking about. You're you, going to have to explain this to me. You're just going to have to take my word for it. It happened, and it was wonderful. Are you but sure we didn't play two games? <laughs> actually, I am positive that we have <laughs> not played two games. <laughs> that is the one thing I am sure about. Um, with this whole season is that in the past couple of weeks we have not played two matches um, but a victory a 2-0 uh, a performance against Southampton um, a, a squad that had uh, that has had their own fair share of ups and or downs this season um, kind of more par for the course for them to have ups and downs yeah. in general uh, but they were for a little while a pretty good team uh, they, of course, finished strong, I believe, last season. And then, uh, well, now they're sitting here in 14th place. Um, so just an interesting squad in and of itself. But being able to uh, put two goals past them, um, finally have a performance that's looked pretty good. What are your, what, I mean, what do you take from this match? What do you take from that victory that might translate into these next, uh, what is it, four matches remaining? Yes, yep. it should be, I believe it's four. Yep. It is for uh, United, West Brom, Burnley, and Palace. Yeah, I was impressed by how good Saints looked without Drew Brees. I mean, I think they coped pretty well with losing yeah. him, <laughs> uh, him retiring. 
they seem to handle it all right. But no, I, it was it was almost the exact same match we've watched four hundred times this season, right. Right. except we scored again. Like we actually took one of our other chances. And granted, it was late in the game, and Allison needed to be huge. And then was so confident that he decided to give them a free chance right. <laughs> just so he could save it again. But it, it was. I just didn't really know what to do when Tiago scored one because I was just so happy for him yeah. because he's just getting a bunch of just ridiculous stick from a bunch of idiots mostly. Um, and, and then just like we 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 have a two goal lead. What is this? What is this feeling? Mm-hmm. How do we, how do we process this? Do we have to let the other team score so that we only win by one and then score again Later right. in the game, so we draw. I, right. I just, like, what are the rules here? This is kind of uncharted territory. Like, what are we supposed to do? Yeah, it was just, it, it was not the best performance, but it was a performance where we did the same things and it just had a slightly different outcome. And if only we had been able to do that a few more times before this match, we wouldn't be needing to sneak in through the window for top four, like Tiago right. put it after that match. What a great quote. Yeah. <laughs> Is that the highlight of the match, though, that quote about Tiago? That's my highlight of the season. Like, that's better than the 7-0 winner over Palace, is him saying the door is closed, but we have to sneak in through the window. But we have to sneak in through the window. That's a guy who's broken curfew a couple of times. Yeah. You, can tell. you can tell. Yeah, it was great for him because, like, you know, we have not... You and I, obviously, have not partaken in the 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 stick-giving um, is that is that? Is that how yeah, we say? yeah we we everyone has just been giving him sticks. Yeah, that's what it is. It's not a metaphor. It's actually a weird thing that's been happening. No, so we have not been partaking of that ourselves. We're we're fans of him, but I think we could both admit that this has not been a a smooth transition for him. Um, it has not been as uh, as much of an immediate impact as the hope was. Like with he was a, a rare. Um, transfer for Liverpool in which he was not like a potential player or a guy that we felt like, oh yeah, no, he like fits the system so well he's going to come in and and be a big catalyst. He was a, this is an established world-class dynamic player that we expect to be able to contribute immediately. And obviously the injury has a lot to do with that, you know, having to rebound from that. But even when he had like fully rehabbed and was getting significant minutes, there were a lot of times in which it, it was clear that he had not had the opportunity to get settled, get adjusted. Um, and so it, you know, it has not been a good season for him. Um, I think it's safe to say that. Now, is that indicative of the future? Is that indicative of his talent level and how his fit in the club? No, that's where people take it way too far. Um, that's where it makes no sense. But it has been, you know, a trickier uh transition that I know he would have liked than we would have liked. <coughs> It's just kind of been that sort of year, though. You know, that's how the season has been in general. It's been, um, it's it's been lots of injuries. It's been everyone just kind of in bad runs of form. I mean, Sadio himself that that quote recently that came out of him saying, "Yeah, this is probably the worst uh, year of my career." You know, um, that sort of thing going on. It's, it just hasn't been good for for anybody. So no, I don't think it's indicative. Of of what he can bring or his fit in the in the team or any of the stuff that a lot of people uh, do flack give him flack for that is unwarranted. Oh, now they're giving him flax. Yeah, exactly. Sticks so and flax. 
Yeah, they're saying that he doesn't have enough like fiber and gra- whole grains in his diet, so they're giving a bunch of flax seeds and uh, and sticks. You know, um, so like you know the people that it, it, it's totally unwarranted, and it's unwarranted because like we we can see or we know based on his resume that's not who he is. And I think at the very least, getting this goal and and this match, though, yeah, it was not a a great, a dynamic, you know, dominant performance from the whole team. But it was a good one for him. And so it was important to get that and and show a little bit more of like, okay, as we move out of this year that everyone would like to forget um, and move forward, this is kind of one of those things that we should probably expect to see a little bit more, a little bit more of his um, active and dynamic involvement. Yeah. Yeah, and I mean, it's, it's kind of like our center back pairing. Like he's he's been playing with new midfielders Pretty much every right. game, like yeah. Genie is always next to him, but he never knows who else is going to be in there with him, and that's, I mean, just part and parcel of us not having any consistency because uh, we have everyone injured all the time. Yeah. Like right now, <laughs> like we, how can we, how can we have consistency? You know, I mean, we joked about us having an injury crisis earlier in the season, but we just now hit like the peak. We're now at the most we've had this entire season, and that's flying completely under the radar just because everyone's so bored of it and because mm-hmm. no one wants to acknowledge that it's an actual problem. Yeah, well, well I, I guess mean, it's we're nine. Used to it. we're, we're used to it. <laughs> yeah, I guess it's nine players because Ben Davies is not a real person. So right, we're, he does we're missing exist. Yeah, nine people. Birds aren't real, and Ben yeah. Davies doesn't exist. Those are two, two facts, <laughs> I say. Two absolute facts. Um, with this being the highest injury total that we've uh, been able to accumulate. What a what a incredible accomplishment. Um, the highest injury t- uh, total that we've been able to accumulate so far in the season, and to be able to eke out a, uh, a victory out of that, do you think that's significant at all, to be able to get a victory um, finally uh, in light of all of those injuries? Uh, absolutely. I mean, it's been something we've been struggling with with more people fit. So to do it when we have no business doing it, when we have Nat Phillips and Reese Williams starting at center back yeah. against uh, an actual PL team. Uh, I think the last time they played together was that Villa game where they played like some like kids taking a tour of the stadium. I think that was who we ended up playing yep. in that game. I think but so. uh, it's just, it's huge for our, it's our a great mentality. fan experience yeah. package <laughs> that, the, that Villa allowed their fans to, to get. Yeah. And it's great for the mentality of this team to get that belief back. But, I mean, as we've seen every episode that we've recorded and said, can they build off of that? Um, and they're going to have to build off of that because we have a big mm-hmm. test tomorrow. Yep. To te- so, I mean, that will be a much bigger test for Nat Phillips and Reese Williams than Southampton were. So <laughs> I, I, at least we bit. have some confidence going into that match. But it, it's it, it, this season has shown us that you can't get your hopes up until the season's over and the next season begins. Yeah, exactly. You just can't. And I mean, and I think that's part of it as well. I mean, you talk about the mentality of the team being able to get back, um, you know, a little bit of confidence, trying to get back into being the mentality monsters that we have prided ourselves on being. I think a major part of that as well is that it, it just, we're able to finally kind of see the light at the end of the tunnel on this season and say, okay, we just have a a little bit longer to go before we can get an actual off season before we can get an actual 
full off-season training in, before we can get, uh, you know, rest time and rehab time um, for realsies for uh, Van Dyke and, and Hindo. I know um, there's been a lot of talk about them, you know, probably not being in the Van Dyke not being in the Euros, I believe is correct. Mm-hmm. Henderson is a possibility for the Euros. I think that was what the headline said. Um, but, you know, uh, being able to get them some time to actually, like, you know, uh, get the whole team some time to be able to recover from all the, the knocks that they've picked up that are not, um, you know, not the, the members of the, uh, the team that are missing significant time. They just have the wear and tear of um, a weird season with no preseason, with like all of this mess going on, like it's it's going to be good. I think we see the end of the tunnel. I think that helps the mentality a little bit as well. Um, the only question now is, do we have it in us, and maybe have a little bit of luck as well of being able to, you know, sneak back in the window? <laughs> um, currently in sixth, only a point shy of West Ham with a game in hand. Um, uh. Let's see, five shy of Chelsea, who are at 36 matches played already. Um, seven shy of Leicester, who are at 36 matches already. So, a few, like more matches, of a potential of getting, if, if we won out, you know, getting 12 points out of all of that, um, which could be enough, you know, to help us get, get in where we need to get in. But the question remains, okay. Do we have it in us to be able to uh, push forward? You mentioned we haven't been able to string uh, <laughs> string together much consistency lately. Uh, what are your feelings on that situation now, Alex? Do you feel any better, any more confident about it, or is this kind of still the same old, same old until proven otherwise? I, I'm confident enough in us to score at least one goal in all of those games that we have left, even including the match against United. We, we've yeah. shown that we can like overcome the odds and fight against whatever evil forces have attached themselves to our club this season yep. and prevented some us real from- bad juju going on around here, man. Uh, I've got some friends that maintain that there's like a dead cat buried at Anfield and is right. cursing the team. Uh, so if we could dig that up, that would be fantastic. But we, I, we can get at least one Sadio and Mo are not themselves right now but what they can do is find the net once and just somehow make it work. Jota's keep getting close. I mean, Thiago probably should have scored beforehand. He's gotten, he's had so many chances to score. I mean, that, mm-hmm. that Trent winner against Villa, it can be overlooked that the shot that led to that was a ridiculous Thiago volley from a Shakiri right. cross. So, I mean, the goals can come. It's just, can our hyper-aggressive defensive shape that consists of our new senior center back that hadn't played before this season mm-hmm. for our team and his younger brother, can they continue to keep the other team out? I don't know. It's just so tough because the, if United have proven anything this season is that they'll find a way to score goals. Yeah. Uh, as much as I hate to admit it, I mean, they've just been doing that and Cavani has been brilliant of late and he, he he's just, he's intelligent and, experienced enough and it's I don't really use that word because it's a weird thing but he is experienced enough to know how to deal with a situation like this so it's kind of a not great matchup especially when you look at the fact that they got to rest their entire team on Monday and Klopp is absolutely right they had to do that the fact that they're having to play these matches 
in quick succession oh, is yeah. absolutely insane. And oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, everyone wants to ignore the, the concerns that Klopp and some of the other managers brought up earlier in the season, but we're definitely seeing it now and it's terrible. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's like, yeah, it's, it's, the, it was his exact word that it's a crime. I think is what, uh, is how he described it. It is. It really yeah. is. Um, yeah. And, and here's the question I have as we kind of, kind of trickle out of the, the, the Southampton talk a little bit and, and shift a little bit more towards this, um, preview a bit of this United match that by the time probably you listener are checking out this podcast, you know, it's, it's match day. It's right. We're ready to go. Um, the, uh, the question that, that kind of remains is, okay, in light of um, this criminal uh, schedule they've got right now, in light of the fact that City has locked up um, the, the, the title, the Premier League title itself, and the fact that, you know, it seems like United probably has other priorities going on, even with this being a rivalry match and with fan unrest in general and, you know, a, a victory over a rival always helps out. Um, in that regard, you do have to wonder a little bit of like, what does United have to play for right now, other than to try to ruin, you know, our top four chances, which obviously is is a great motivator. Uh, we would, in, if we were in that position, we would be rooting for that hardcore. But you do have to wonder just a little bit about like, okay, for the players, for the team right now, like. Is what are they actually focusing on, um, and is this going to be a thing that because there's more riding on it um, in Liverpool's favor, uh, we kind of take advantage or come out a little bit more motivated, come out a little hotter? Do you think any of that might play into any of this coming up in this coming up match? I could absolutely see it being on some of their players' minds. Like we've got tight games, tight turnaround between games, but we've got a European final to worry about. Yeah, so. Could absolutely see that creeping in. Um, but that said, uh, this will be a, a fiery game. It will hopefully not be the worst game ever, like the last game mm-hmm. was <laughs> between us in I mean, the you league. You know it will be. You, you already know it will be. Like, there's no chance that this is actually an entertaining game. <laughs> oh, it's going to be terrible. Uh, and that, that might be the only saving grace of it, that, that it is terrible. <laughs> because if it's entertaining, what likely will happen is that they're picking us off on the counter, um, but I, I, it will probably be awful. And we'll just see if the referee allows for the actual amount of stoppage time this time, especially if we are on a breakaway. I think mm. a lot of people have forgotten that there were had, quite a few seconds left when Sadio Mane was clean through on goal last time. Oh man, I had forgotten that. Oh man, I had forgotten that. <laughs> Whoa, man. Yikes. Um, yeah, it, it makes me wonder a little bit if, if they, how much of a priority this is just kind of in the grand scheme of things for them. Um, I'm, I'm trying to remember exactly what their, uh, what their match congestion looks like. I'll pull up their schedule real quick. So they've got us, then us. Fulham on Tuesday, Yep. then Wolves, then Bija Real. Yeah. So it's, uh. It's the 13th, <laughs> five days till the Fulham match, five days till the Wolves match, three days <laughs> to the Villarreal match. Oh, man, that's terrible. 
If it was any other club, I'd feel more sympathy. Um, but that's just bad. Yeah. So yeah, you, you do have to wonder a little bit if they're like, okay, how important is this, especially considering it's like if they do need to earn a few extra points just for any reason. Um, in particular, you know, hold off Leicester from getting that second place money. Um, that might be the biggest motivation. Uh, they know that they have much easier chances of doing that against Fulham and against Wolves than they would against us. So, like, yeah, it'll be interesting. It'll be interesting. So what about our players' motivation? Obviously, there's a lot that goes into this, and it's not just the the rivalry now, um, which will be interesting considering, you know, n- no fans around. Um, weren't supposed to be fans a couple of weeks ago either, yeah. but we saw how that turned out. Yeah. Um, but it'll be interesting, of course. You know, no fans at Old Trafford, so uh, it could only go so far. But uh, our team obviously has a lot of motivation behind it. Do you think that emotions will end up playing into this as much as it, it typically would? Uh, not as much as it typically would, but it will definitely be there because, I mean, we saw today Chelsea drop points. The, the hope is still there. Like that's the thing. Mm -hmm. It's not dead enough to where we can just say, we're not getting champions league. Like we could still theoretically get it. The other teams that we're competing with (laughs) can drop points. They can play badly. They can do stupid stuff. So, oh yeah. I mean, it's up to us. And and even just going into next season, it would be fantastic to just win out and ride a little bit of a high into the next season and go into the offseason thinking, okay, we're a little bit closer to being back. Let's buckle down. Let's get together and let's figure this out, uh, riding the momentum that we had at the end of the season. But I I mean, the only thing I'm concerned with, uh, and I know it's, it's a bit rich coming from us considering their fixture list, but I mean, <laughs> our players, are they going to be tired? Because we know who we're going to play. We only have a select few amount of players we can right. use. And we only we have an even fewer amount that we actually trust to start games and play over 80 minutes of games. So, I, I mean, that, that will be the thing is the players balancing their kind of physical and mental fatigue at this home stretch in a reconfigured re, uh, game a game where there's supposed to be even more protests. It'll probably be a hostile environment, not necessarily just for us, but for everyone around the stadium coming in, there's going to be a lot to deal with. Um, But luckily they've already had a game in the midst of just a crazy poop storm (laughs) this season against Leeds. So where we should be fine. We're used to just having insane things happen to us. Yeah, it's true. Yeah. I think, okay. So you mentioned like the momentum going out of the season. Um, and into the next one. I think that's huge also because we've seen, you know, quite honestly, how it works the other direction. And even though, yay, we won our our first, you know, title in uh, forever last year, we did not end last season well. You know, we were not playing well. We were not, um, we went from very quickly, a lot of people pointed out from being, you know, uh, the best team that like anyone has ever seen play. Um, to being a real slog of a team (laughs) most of the time um, towards the end of last season. So, yeah, I mean, like, we saw how momentum went coming out of what we were a great year and going into what has been an absolutely miserable year. We've seen that momentum. We've seen how that affects. So it'd be nice to have the the opposite thing happen um, and the reverse this time around and actually be able to ride some momentum back into what should be a better season with, uh, we would hope, you know, a, a, a healthy lineup 
Um, maybe, maybe a signing or two. Probably not now that we kind of have more insight on the financial <laughs> situation of the club, but still. Um, so yeah, it would be, it would be very nice, but <coughs> oh, this cough is killing me. But out of all of that, I mean, if, if we don't perform well, if we lose this match, if we don't get the points that we need, do you still feel like there's enough in the tank? against West Brom, Burnley, and Palace. Um, obviously, at that point, a lot more relies on uh, the teams ahead of us, uh, Chelsea, West Ham, dropping points. Um, but do you still think there's enough in the tank? What, what, what do you think we can... I've already asked you a little bit about like top four, but what do you think we could actually salvage as we get into the, the last bit of this season what what can we actually salvage from this entire year <laughs> as we're about to like look back on it which is i think we can all agree we don't want to ever no. look back on this one <laughs> but i mean is there anything you think we can really pull from it uh, honestly the so two things one if we don't win this match where there's no that will be the nail in the coffin for our yeah. top four hopes uh, that winning this match is the only way to put enough pressure on the people above us to continue to slip up enough to where we can take advantage of it. I mean, they could slip up, but if we don't win this match, then we can't take advantage of it because right. we're too far behind. Uh, the, uh, the other thing we could take out of this is the fact that we will have fans back in the stadium for the Palace match, and that will hopefully bring the team the actual club part of the club and the fans mm. closer together after just all of the insanity that has happened this season, yep. uh, that will be the positive. But I mean, you, you don't really, the, the weird thing is you don't look at the remaining fixtures, especially because we have a, like a, a champions league, a European race to run. You don't look at it and think there's time for someone maybe on the fringes or someone new to like break into the team and finish yeah. on a high because they're just not going to play. We're going to see all the subs for maybe a maximum of 10 minutes yeah. so, <laughs> per game. So it's not like you can see someone like Nabi Kata or Ox come in and like establish themselves and give Klopp something to think about for next season. No, what really will happen is maybe one of our people that are exhausted will play themselves into form and knowing right. our luck this season, it will be genie as he departs. He will become the Netherlands genie and just destroy <laughs> and ride this momentum into the euros and then never return. So like that yeah. would sum up this season quite nicely. Um, so I, I, yeah, that's about as much as we can hope for is someone getting healthy again, being able to play again and just getting back into the form that we know they're capable of. I kind of halfway expect Genie to go be Netherlands Genie and then actually never end up on a club. <laughs> like, just go and be like, all right, that went well enough that I am going to, uh, for the rest of, all of my life, just be an international player. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks. I'll see you guys. Like, I, I don't know why that would work or why that would happen, but I kind of want it and, and halfway expect it to happen for some reason. Yeah, that was my hope for Gigi Buffon after he announced that he was leaving Juve again, was that he just makes the Italian national team his club team. From and that's it. <laughs> if only. 
If only we could be that lucky. Yeah, and uh, also, I mean, even if wherever he does end up, Klopp's still going to be picking Genie next season. Right. The starting 11. And we'll just, we'll just play a man down <laughs> most games because we'll just be like, well, where is he? He's supposed to be here. We'll just start without him. If he, uh, yeah, even if he's not playing this team or on this team, he's just still going to be required to fly in and yeah. play for this team, even if he's not on, it, on like the payroll anymore. He's going to pull a double duty. Um, it's going to be a nightmare for him, yeah. but if anyone can do it, it's going to have to be him, I guess. <laughs> going to have to be. Um, all right, so again, kind of tail end of the season, looking back a little bit, not really a, you know, this isn't our like end of the year episode by any means, but looking back a little bit, do you think there's, who do you think of this season um, performance wise? Not because of like injury, not because of, you know, uh, being new and needing to learn, not because of being uh, a, a 12 year old like Reese Williams um, forced in action, all that. Who do you think of this team has the most to prove um, based off of their performance this season and going into the next year? Is there anyone that stands out in your mind as like, okay, going into next year, you need to do a little bit better or you need to come back to who you were. Um, is there anyone at all that, that comes to your mind? That's well, kind of I know that's kind of like a spur of the moment. Like we didn't really plan or or discuss much about what we were going to cover in this episode. So it's kind of a I didn't give you any time to actually prepare for this <laughs> question. But here's the question: Do something with it, Alex. Go. Well, it's it's an interesting question because and this is not just me stalling. It, it the people that need to step up the most. Uh, one don't really have anything to prove. Like this has already been proven to be a blip in their career rather than being the normal. It wasn't really like the trajectory led them to this. It's just, we're all like, what happened? Like, if you think of someone like Mo and you think of someone like Sadio, it's not like, Oh, their form had been dropping off a little bit and we kind of expected them to have a dip. It was just like, when did they get space jammed? Why do they absolutely (laughs) suck now? So I I wouldn't necessarily say they have something to prove, but they need to get back into it. Honestly, the person who probably has the most to prove, probably if all goes to plan as it needs to go, will not be a starter next season. Uh, and that's Bobby Firmino. Like he's mm. just been almost non-existent this entire season, um, and he's done so much for this team. And you don't want to like take him out of the team, but we need to evolve. We clearly have a need to get someone who can score score goals, who can play maybe a bit of that hybrid, like what Bobby does and what a traditional striker does with some of the players that we've played, with some of the midfield combinations we have, with how we even approach the midfield uh, with certain players absent. they We just kind of end up getting in each other's way. We have way too many people deep and no one in the box. And kind of given his age, given the workload that he's had to have, I I just don't know if Bobby will be the guy, will be the number nine next season because that seems to be a – it should be a a priority target for us in the summer if we have any money to spend uh, because it's just – we always talk about how the team looks to evolve from season to season, but this is obviously the next step. We have to figure out how to score goals. We can't be so predictable in the way that we play. We can't be so kind of the condensed version of what made us so good. So – Either him and, I mean, maybe someone like Trent, who has had 
kind of an off year. There's been so many discussions about whether he should go to the Euros. He had a rough start to it. He had a calf problem. He had COVID. It it was kind of rushed back because he had to be. Uh, He's still super young, but this is just one of those seasons where it's like it obviously did not go according to plan. If he can step up and be the player that we know he can be next season, then everyone will forget what his form was this year. So I, I guess those two would be the primary ones that maybe need to step up. But one of them, I don't know if he will necessarily be an integral part of the 11 or as integral a part of the 11. He can still definitely feature coming off the bench, be a game changer, can play in some games where we need maybe that different type of approach to striker. But I just don't, that we might have seen the end of his era hmm. through just the physical limits and the limits of like players that aren't Messi and Ronaldo right. having good patches of good form. Yeah, it's a it's a little bit heartbreaking because of how integral he was to the success of this team since he arrived. But I mean, you still see moments in which like he 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 can keep contributing. So like it just has to be in some sort of modified way and you you know, you have to wonder if maybe that means a little bit of a different um, uh, formation. So he's a little bit more of a true midfielder again. Like he kind of started his career before he came here. Um, you know, it's funny to be talking about Bobby and Trent and uh, not make a joke about Trent being wasted um, yeah. by not being in midfield. But you have to wonder if maybe Bobby needs to be, um, you know, more of an actual midfielder. Uh, again, instead of really being like the forward and maybe, but I think you're right. It's kind of like, it's just, it's time to actually get a, uh, a, a striker who is a goal scoring striker. Um, again, I think it's, it's obvious that we need to be able to actually score goals from that, uh, immediate position. Um, so I'm curious what we do there. Uh, yeah, obviously a lot more hope with Trent that it's a, a blip. Um, I'll also say that it has been a, a you know a subpar. <coughs> I'll also say it's been a subpar uh, season for for Allison. You know, obviously there's a lot that has gone on um, between uh, some injuries, getting sick, uh, obviously family, you know, tragedy, all that sort of thing. But there's been a lot of moments in which he has not, he's not been as confident, um, and he's been uh, obviously not as like mentally prepared at times or, or having more mental lapses on the pitch and his, his overall ability um, obviously covers up for most of that when stuff happens, but I do feel like it has to be um, he has to be able to go into next season uh, just playing smarter, you know, a, a wiser, more experienced, older, more veteran player Um uh, he just has he has to do a little bit better job there. Obviously, not as much of a has something to prove, uh, or has to uh, has to prove that this was a blip type of thing with him because we know the talent is there and he shows just how good he is, you know, on a on a weekly basis. But it seems like this year in particular, he's had a lot more moments of like, dude, what are you doing <laughs> than he's ever had before. And maybe he's always been this way and we're just now seeing it. Um, but I think that this has been a, a season in which he's been, uh, 
not having the the security blanket of his normal, you know, center backs in front of him is really uh, showing in in like the the mistakes that he makes and how much more, um, how how different a player or his play style has become um, with with those players not in front of him, with Virgil not in front of him, with with Gomez and Matip not consistently in front of him. So I think he's a player I would also kind of add to that list. Yeah, I cut him some slack because of the all the stuff that has been going on in his personal life. But I mean, you're right. He he's been making uncharacteristic errors, like all of the gambles that he would take last season and worked, and what made him such a great keeper just haven't paid off. Right. And I mean, there's plenty of times where it's just a classic miscommunication of new players playing in front of him, not understanding how he likes to play, uh, and then that leading to goals. So I, I would definitely agree. It would definitely help to keep those goals out because we play such a high risk style. Yeah. Um, and then going back to the, the striker situation, like it's the good thing about the modern game is that there are a bunch of 15 to 20 to 25 goal season strikers out there that put in the hard yards and are incredible, have incredible work rates and would fit in. So it's not like, we have to sacrifice between playing Bobby and playing someone like Andy Carroll anymore. Like there, right. the game has evolved to where we can find someone who would fit the style and be able to score as well. We just have to get used to playing with someone like that. So like these problems can be fixed uh, and we can create a new look and have a new team and make everybody work that we want to work. But it's just, it's not like there, there's only one Bobby Firmino for sure, but we can have some great, cover bands playing <laughs> up top. What an incredible metaphor that was. <laughs> that was very good. No, you're absolutely right. Like there's there's only one of him and there only ever will be one of him, but the yeah, it's it's a little bit different than like it used to be. Um you you've got you've got more and more players that are capable of of doing um a lot more just because the game has become over the years so much more technically skilled, technically proficient of a, of a general overall game that more and more, you know, kids as they grow up are doing a whole lot more. You're seeing it in like all, all areas of sports. It's fascinating to see, you know, like the, the seven foot tall basketball player who grew up, you know, dribbling and passing all the time so now he's seven feet tall and can pass better than anyone else it was never that way until like recently like uh like (laughs) total basketball has really become i think you know but you're seeing it in so many sports where um you know uh the best the best athletes on the field are not limited to like certain positions they're encouraged to do all kinds of different things um and, and play all sorts of different ways you see it in 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 this sport as well. It's no, you know, no exception. There's a lot. So you get a lot more players that are able to do a lot more and a lot more confident doing a lot more roles in that regard as strikers. So, um, that being said, uh, if we don't get Holland or Mbappe, I'm, I'm going to be pissed. That's just the, the bottom line. Yeah. Yeah. We riot if we don't get both of them actually. And Sancho. Yeah. So, and it's going to be, it's going to be interesting. I mean, cause there's a lot of young talent that can even learn from their contemporaries. And I think mm-hmm. one, player that really stands out is like wow he's really gonna impact how strikers play for a very long time is Robert Lewandowski I mean mm-hmm. he, he's 
One, I mean, everyone on Byron got absolutely ripped over the lockdown. They're like full <laughs> credit to their fitness team for like mailing every player on their team a giant gym and giving them the just this beast mode workout for them to all become. It actually like, was all behemoths. just just Pelotons. They <laughs> all just they sent them a bunch of Pelotons and like Peloton classes, and they were like, "All right, guys, knock them out." <laughs> And it worked, and look at him now. But, yep. like, you look at how he plays, and he's not – like, he's exactly what we were just talking about with those – I mean, he scores way more than 15 to 20 goals a season. Right. But he he's more than just a guy that just sits in the box and does tap-ins. Like, he's so involved in the play and integral to the build-up as well as finishing it off that, like, you, you look at how many young strikers that are emerging that are probably seeing him and being like, I want to do that too. And so we'll see how he yeah. impacts them and, like, the people coming through. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's going to be really interesting. Um as we are on the tail end of the Messi and Ronaldo era of like superstars, you know, like in our lifetimes we've really been able to to really watch like really watch um and like their actual like primes and all that. Really been able to watch like Ronaldinho and uh, Thierry Henry, and to now be able to also have said, like, we got to watch the careers of Messi and Ronaldo. You see the impact of all these players, but mm-hmm. I think it's fascinating coming out of the the impact of those two guys in particular, um, uh, their impact on how uh, players develop, how kids grow up playing the sport. It's going to be fascinating to see that impact for years to come as this next generation um, that... Uh, aren't just, you know, becoming pros right now, but this generation that are currently in their teens and all they've ever known <laughs> are these yeah. guys. And they're, you know, the guys they're immediately influencing. It's going to be fascinating to see what happens uh, in the near future uh, of, like, what sort of players and talents actually, like, develop and arrive um, in the next, you know, decade or so. It's going to be really interesting. Yeah. And so many kids are looking up to Stuart Downing, Liverpool right. era. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. it's just good. a lot of just terrible crosses, a lot of just shank shots. It's gonna it's gonna really affect. And I, I, I'm hoping Harvey Elliott picked that up while he was playing with Stuart right. Downing at Blackburn. Yeah, that just here's what you need to do, kid. Hit the shot, have it go just backwards. <laughs> You're ready. Okay. He uh, um. You know, a lot of that you mentioned already, the great Andy Carroll, like most expensive English player, you know, at the, at the time. And then that's who a lot of kids are going to strive <laughs> to emulate as well. You know, you just can't say enough about him. I mean, he was the captain of the Pirate 11. So I, right. I think everyone wants to be the captain of the Pirate 11. <laughs> when I say you can't say enough about him, I mean, we've already said too much about yeah. him. <laughs> that's actually what I meant. My my bad. I, I, I misspoke. <laughs> misspoke for sure but yeah this is a it'll be interesting to see and it'll be interesting to see that the next generation as you just you mentioned Harvey Elliott but like the next generation of of Liverpool as well as we get closer to the 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 tail ends of the uh their the primes of a lot of our main players but also kind of the tail ends of their careers in general of like say a, a a Mo and a and a Sadio and um you know I think James Milner is going to end up playing longer than either Mo or Sadio um, do. I just think that's going to happen. 
But. Yeah, he's about to hit his prime. I don't know why. Yeah. <laughs> Milner hadn't even peaked yet, y'all. <laughs> he hadn't even peaked. So anyway, anyway, let's talk specifically about the United match and what we can expect. We talked about some of the big picture stuff. Um, let's get into the, the details, though. What we can expect, what we need to do in order to defeat them um, and have any chance of salvaging a top four finish um, out of this disastrous <laughs> season that we are all so ready to see uh, gone. Um, but what, what do we, what type of team are they and what does it take to beat them, Alex? I mean, they're, when they're at their best, they're counterattacking, they're sitting deep, being frustrating and then hitting on the break really quickly. Uh, and that's where they thrive. So that's probably what they're going to look to do even at home against us because they know that if they can lure us forward, it, we're, we can be relatively easy pickings on the counter. So that that's what I'm fully expecting. It's going to be annoying. They're probably going to get away with a lot. These get matches are always physical and they just suck. And we've talked about it before. It's just not going to be fun. I am not feeling too optimistic about this one, but mm-hmm. I don't ever want to predict us losing to them. So I will just say a 1-1 draw where we score first uh, and then have quite a few chances uh, and don't capitalize, and then they score in the last 10 minutes. I, I don't think we've had a match like that this season before, so I think this would be a nice change of pace for us to do something like that. Uh, and then I'll just go ahead and throw in a, a prediction for Western Bromworth. <laughs> whatever their, their Pez name, uh, West Brom, they're relegated. Sam Allardyce is going to be on pints of wine. He's going to be lit. Um, yep. It's going to be dumb. They're, I hate playing them so much. They're uh, so, yeah, it sucks. So, uh, and in that match, uh, I feel like we're going to go up one nothing kind of early, uh, and then we'll just get like a bunch of chances because they're not very good. We're not going to finish, and then they'll score in the yeah. last 10 minutes, and we'll, tell it, we'll draw 1-1. Yeah. Why would we ever actually finish any chances? Yeah. Like, like the two goals we got against uh, against Southampton, it almost felt like we didn't really want them that yeah. badly. They just kind of happened, and we had to live with them. Um, yeah, I, I, yeah, I, I mean, you're right. It's it sucks to even like say, oh yeah, probably not going to be a good result against the against United. Uh, you know, hate having to try to predict anything about, you know, the biggest rivalry. But at the same time, like, we have not been able to string together very much of a good run of form at any point this entire year. So why start now, right? <laughs> like, like, why in the world should this be any different? So, yeah, I think it's going to be a, uh, a not what we want out of a match. Um, I could really see it being... A uh, even you know going so far as like a a a goalless draw, like just depending on how uh, not motivated they are, because I do think there is. I know we talked a lot about it, but I do think they they will have you know motivation because this is Liverpool versus United. There has <laughs> to be some motivation, and it would kind of save face, I think, with the with an aggravated fan base on their regard to you know get something out of it. But I just also wonder if they're just going to try to conserve the energy that the best they can and really like not even necessarily like push the counter attack that often, but only really try to pick out the best counter attack opportunities and therefore like really slow things down in that regard. So I could see that going in such a way that it ends up just kind of being 
well, simply put, a, a really terrible game to try to watch. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I could easily see it being a, a, a draw that might not even have any goals um, or, uh, you know, a 1-1 or something like that. I just think it's going to be a little too a little too just kind of bland a performance from either team uh, for anyone to actually walk away with a victory. So that being said, now that I've said that, I'm sure it'll be like we beat him by seven and it makes no sense because of course it would be. Why wouldn't it would be? Why wouldn't it would be? Is that what I just said? <laughs> That's the name of the episode right there. Why wouldn't it would be? And why wouldn't you would have been tuned in here to You'll Never Talk Alone. Hey, thanks for joining us. My voice, as you can tell, is giving out on me. So I think we're going to wrap this episode up before um, I, you know, completely lose it on the air. But we thank you for uh, putting up with uh, us over the past couple of weeks, being patient with us as we, uh, you know, work through sickness and um, busyness and and all of the above um, to be able to get here and get to this uh, episode once again. So, Alex, thank you, sir for always being there to carry me when I am struggling to make it through a podcast episode. I mean, why wouldn't I would be? Why wouldn't you would be? <laughs> oh, you absolute legend. We thank you for tuning in to this episode of You'll Never Talk Alone. That's Alex Lovell. I'm your friend Joseph Craven, and it is with great honor that I send it over to Andrew Ainsworth to sign us out. Um, for one of the last times this season. It won't be very much longer until this season is done. And uh, you know, we won't have these uh, these Andrew sign-offs for this season. Yeah. <laughs> for this season. So, Andrew, take it away, sir. <coughs> <coughs> Thanks for tuning in.